Welcome back, everyone, to the Sub Zero Coffee Podcast. Today's podcast is—it's a little bit coffee, but we're going—we're going to deviate to the other things in life. We got today. Today's podcast, this week's podcast, is about making you happy, cheering some people up because a lot of people need a bit of that right now. And quite frankly, why else would you would you clock on for the for the Sub Zero Podcast? We love it. Today's guest is international superstar Will Anderson and coffee fanatic. Welcome, Will. I am a coffee fanatic. You say that this podcast isn't about coffee, but I, as you well know, I am almost single-handedly keeping the coffee industry afloat myself. I think I'm on my fourth coffee already today, and it's ten, eleven as we speak to each other. Yeah, right. Well, I kind of, I kind of have this theory about you, and this is a long stand. Ever since I've known you, and I've known you for what two or three years now, and um, maybe you were born in like a test tube or something, because the amount of coffee you can drink and seemingly not be affected by it is extraordinary people say to me oh how many cups of co-? like the, the most frequently asked question i get is, as a barista is oh how many coffees do you drink a day and you know on a good day it's my job you know maybe i'll drink nine or ten or it, it could be anything but that that's like your warm-up which is impressive well it's it's not necessarily the most healthy way to live your lifestyle but my my general approach to life is a series of checks and balances so there are some things that I consume in my life that slow me down a little, and then I have to even those out with things that speed me up a little, and then I try to find some equilibrium in between. <laughs> well, as long as you're balancing it out, well, that's the main thing. But it's a balanced diet, mate. It's not necessarily what experts would call a balanced diet, but it's you know mostly extremes. So I take two extremes, and then I try to balance out in the middle. Essentially, the way that I look at my coffee intake and the rest of the things that I intake in my life is much like an episode of. Q&A or insiders where they've invited somebody on from the far left and somebody on from the far right to yell at each other all day and see if they can find somewhere in the middle. And that is my approach to drinking coffee. Uh, I can't even watch that show anymore. I just, uh, I'm so disengaged by it. But anyway, this is a, this is a good vibe podcast. Um, how are you, Will? What are you up to these days? Uh, I'm an unemployed stand-up comedian. So for the first uh-huh. time in 25 years, I am my parents' worst nightmare. What they imagined I would finally be at some stage when I ran away to join the circus to tell dick jokes to strangers for cash. Uh, I've, I've managed for 25 years to keep pretty healthy and busy employment for that time. And it took a global pandemic to take me back to what my parents imagined I would probably be, a guy in my mid-40s hanging out in my pyjamas, doing my imaginary radio shows from my house with no discernible income. Hey, but there was a a pretty good sort of hump in between there. I mean, you you had a few good years. Don't be so harsh on yourself. Oh, don't get me wrong. I had a good run, mate. Don't get me wrong. I had a very good run. (laughs) I've I've certainly got the debts of somebody who had a really great income. Unfortunately, at the moment, I'm uh, on the government JobKeeper allowance, so... It really does feel like I am back in the days of when I first started doing stand-up comedy where my, all my first jokes were about being on the dole. Maybe 25 years later, it's time to revisit a whole bunch of new routines about being on the dole. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that makes one of us. I, didn't, I, I started a business and I don't even qualify for JobKeeper and I live in Melbourne. So, I mean, you could, <laughs> it, could be, it, could be, it could be even worse. But, um, you know, things are, going, things are going, all things considered, things are kind of good in Melbourne. I mean, everyone's like... We were talking about this just before. Everyone considers Melburnians a leper at the moment in Australia. It's like, you know, the New South Wales Premier says, don't let them into your house. Um, but, you know, when you live here, I mean, yes, it's shit in some ways, but, you know, life's still going. 
Yeah, well, I mean, for me, like we're pretty much in lockdown here, even though I'm living in uh, rural New South Wales. I'm in country New South Wales and there's no cases of COVID around where I live. And I live in a place where even if there was a vaccine, people would be pretty suspicious about taking that vaccine anyway. They're not mm. going to take the vaccine for regular, uh, you know, things for their kids. They're probably more likely to get polio than they are to get COVID where I live. So hard to get somebody to wear, you know, a mask to the shops when you can't convince them to wear shoes to the shops. In fact, <laughs> if I got them some masks, I'd probably demand they put them on their shoes before they go to the supermarket, before they put them on their face. Yeah, avoid that sort of transmission of, I don't know, what, what do you call it? Tidia? Tinia? Is that what tinia, it is? Tinia, exactly. The major thing that I'm facing up here is an outbreak of local tinia. Yeah, and, and if that's your biggest concern, then I think, you know, all things considered, you'd, you'd take that this year. Yeah, I'm a, yeah, an unemployed stand-up comedian on the lookout for tinia. That's pretty much the life I'm living. It's not quite the same COVID lockdown existence as everybody else. But yeah. it is, it's funny because, of course, last year I was doing, you know, breakfast radio in Melbourne. So living in Melbourne, you know, would have been in the heart of the lockdown, mm. you know, doing breakfast radio, you know, and as breakfast radio people know, you get paid quite a lot of money to do breakfast radio. And yeah. now I'm living in rural New South Wales in my pajamas, the things that I wore to bed last night, I didn't even manage to have a shower before I talked to you this morning. So I'm sitting in my pajamas now doing pretend radio, internet radio. Yeah. With well, you. well, this is, this is, this is one of the fastest growing podcasts in the world right now, Will Anderson. And I'll have, you know, we, you know, we'll get you to plug your, your podcast on it later. This, this is going to be an international permeating glory, this podcast and just you wait to see, but you're, you obviously mentioned you're up in Northern New South Wales. We had uh, we had Adam Zamper on the podcast a few weeks ago. He's a he's a he's he's more passionate about coffee than, than I am. I don't know. You know Adam, the cricketer. I do indeed know Adam. He's an interesting cat, Adam Zamper, and mm. so um, I didn't know that he was a coffee fanatic. I did actually know that they have a bit of a thing in the Australian in cricket team where they, you know, will go to different towns and sample, you know, new and different coffees, which is really. A different world than the world that Shane Warne used to live in when he was in the Australian cricket team. I'm not sure that he was, you know, when he would go to from town to town and he would come in and say, I had an excellent uh, flat white last night. It probably was talking about something very different to coffee, I imagine. Yeah, well, it was interesting. I said to Adam on the podcast and he didn't want to talk about it too much, but I said, you know, it's, it's kind of changed a bit from when, you know, Simon Cadditch and Michael Clark were teammates. It's, it's like the vibe's a bit different, you know what I mean? Well, maybe that, you know, that was what that argument was about. Maybe that was a coffee disagreement, you know. Maybe, you know, Cadditch had Michael Clark by the, the throat and he was going, no, you shouldn't be drinking lattes. You should be drinking flat whites, man. That was the point of disagreement. We don't want to go to Starbucks. We want the fucking real shit, you know. It's like... Exactly. Come on. Come on, Michael Clark. Coffee shouldn't come in a venti. <laughs> yeah, I mean, pup, what were you thinking? But speaking of coffee, you're actually quite a seasoned coffee drinker. Well, we've established this already, but... You know the good shit as well because obviously you know me, and so that means that I've I've served you some ripper stuff, and I've I've got a little piece of audio that I've extracted here. I don't think you'll be able to hear it, Will, but I'm going to play it for okay, listeners at home. It goes for about ninety seconds, so you got a, a brief reprieve here. But this is uh, this is a uh, from when you and I were on. Well, you were the radio host, but then you decided, oh, Kirk, do you want to talk about coffee on this one? So I uh, I went to great lengths to 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 make you some some of the real good shit in the studio. So we'll take a listen now. A symbiotic relationship. Yeah. We get along so well. We get along really well. 
you got to be nice to your dealer. Okay? Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. right. so, so that's that's the original standard. What's in uh, cup number two here? So cup number two is a new coffee we've just put on the list at St. Ali. It's a geisha, which is a very rare varietal. So if you think apples, you've got pink ladies, sort of royal yeah. colour, oh. Granny Smith. But this is a naturally processed geisha. Oh, boy. So is that more like a Fuji apple, is it? Um, well, in this, I'm, I'm, I'm suspecting you'll taste a bit of passion fruit, a bit of strawberry, almost like finger limes. Oh. It's really delicate. See, that's what I, I would have said, more your finger limes. That's, yeah. that's the flavour that, that I'm getting. It's got that acid, you know. Yes. Mm. Very nice. And very nice to drink without uh, milk, this one. Like yeah, this, well, I try, yeah. And, I try and do these mm. without milk, just so you, you get the best expression of the flavour of the coffee. S- so Sounds wow. to me like there's a fair bit of acid in all that drink that you're into. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. Wow. No, I like this. This is good. This is why we okay. wait until he's out of the country. All right. Yeah. Okay, one more. What's this one on the end? So this is from Bolivia. So, now, when you said you were, oh, when you said you were going to bring in something from Bolivia for Friday for the final show, <laughs> I, I suspected it would be coffee. Now, yeah. so tell me about the Bolivian coffee. Well, the Bolivian coffee is it's it's much more tea-like. And what I really like about this coffee, oh boy, is that I went and bought it from Bolivia myself. Oh man, was it hard to get through customs? <laughs> to get to the farms, uh, you have to travel on something called the Death Road. It is aptly, aptly named. Um, it's on the edge of a cliff. Oh, wow. It's pouring down rain. And when you're jet lagged and you think you're going to die, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty, um, it's what, hard to justify going. What, what makes this coffee so special, Kurt? Well, um, it's been frozen for a year. So, Well, there we go. I just said, I just said at the end of that little, that little extract that the coffee had, that I'd served you at the time had been frozen for a year. And obviously, you know what I do. I, I vintage coffee, essentially. And so we have all these really nice, fancy stuff, which some of which you'd be accustomed to. You, you, you've had some of the creme de la creme of coffee. What are you drinking nowadays? What are you drinking right now? Uh, so, well, this morning, uh, as I talked to you, I'm drinking a, a coffee that was made to, for me at Moonshine Coffee. Moonshine Coffee. Moonshine Coffee, which is this little place in Federal, which I uh, recommend that people Google. I think you would really like. They make an excellent cup of coffee. And they've got their own little thing going on. This incredible, you know, beautiful, you know, big coffee machine and uh, nice little organisation there. But normally, I start my day with, uh, I'm look, I'm up. The the pod coffee is still, you know, the easy way for me to start the day. So I, I, I apologise if that offends anybody out there in the coffee. No, you know <laughs> what? Pod coffee is actually where a lot of advancements are being made. And we, I was talking to a guy last night in England who does a lot of research and development into this, and. Um, like a lot of the pod coffee companies, you know, a lot of people sort of view them as, oh, they're not authentic and, oh, the coffee's not that good. But um, they're actually doing a lot of research and development and a lot of work's going into making significantly better pod coffee, which, you know, you'd know far more about it than I, but it's starting to taste pretty good. Well, I get my pod coffee from a, an organisation that you are familiar with, mm-hmm. a little a little Melbourne cafe who have their own pod coffee brand called St. Ali. St. Ali. And- they, um, they, that's how you meant to say it as an Australian, isn't it? Sonali. Sonali. Well, word. it was funny in that, in that, in that sort of audio, I just played Eddie, Eddie, who is Eddie Maguire. Uh, if you don't know him, Google him. There'd be a fair bit of material on Eddie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, it is, it's the, it's the Australian pronunciation. I think it's the, the origins of the term, uh, in fact, Italian, but, Sonali is how you say it, but you've got some pod coffee from Sonali, do you? 
Yeah, so they they do an Orthodox pod coffee, which is kind of my regular drinker, but they have like an extreme version as well, a sort of, you know, absolutely yeah, hardcore wake you up in the morning version, which occasionally gets to run if I'm feeling particularly dusty when I get up in the morning. So I try to, I like to work early morning hours still, even though that I'm, you know, don't need to. So I tend to get up when the sun gets up. And the first thing that I do, I'm not one of those people who my brother's doing this thing where he'll delay his first coffee for an hour. You know, you're meant to get up for an hour and then have your first coffee. That is ridiculous to me. My first coffee is like served with so little milk. Like it's literally just for the purposes of waking me up. It's the second alarm. Instead of pushing snooze, I have that first coffee and then I'll actually make myself like a, you know, a proper latte, like a milk coffee that I could kind of sip and enjoy. But the first one is purely mechanical. What's the rationale behind delaying for an hour? I mean, what, what drives someone to, to do some, something like this, such a thing? Well, apparently it's, it's much better for you. And then of course you can, you know, you know, like you don't have to chase this coffee high that you've artificially started your day with, because that's why I drink so much coffee. It's, you know, if you if you were drinking that much coffee the minute you get up, you have to then maintain for the rest of the day or you'll have some sort of train spotting like scene at two o'clock in the afternoon where you haven't had a coffee for a while and you're suddenly laying down in your office and there's a baby crawling across the roof of your office. So <laughs> it's she gets weird. Not, the, not the healthiest way to drink coffee, but it is the way that I choose to drink coffee. And then yeah, so once I've had two or three at home by myself, if I'm feeling like I need an excursion out of the house, I'll pop down to Moonshine and I'll get them to make me a coffee. Do you see Chris Hemsworth much? Is, uh, he's in sort of the vicinity. Have you got like this sort of famous people network that you're all just creating a community up in Byron? Because is federal, is federal near Byron? Remind me, I can't. I mean, it's about 20 minutes from Byron. So it's up in the hinterland of uh you know what they call the byron bay hinterland but up in the hills we're hill people basically we're hillbillies hill hill willies if i want to uh reframe it in my terms but uh look chris hemsworth's house is so house is so big i think i actually technically live in a wing of it and yeah, right, right. if you look up you can actually just see the roof of chris hemsworth's house over our house so I've got some very uh, vivid memories of Byron Bay because I used to go there on my annual New York New Year's Eve trip. And I mean, I don't want to sort of ruin my career before it begins. So I won't sort of, ex- I won't detail those trips uh, too much. But Byron's a beautiful place. Do you know they actually grow coffee there? The specialty grade coffee, really good stuff that's grown in the area. They Basically anything that you want when it comes to, you know, to drinks and to food, this is an incredible area. And um, obviously, you know, in a marketing sense, the Byron Bay brand, if you put the word Byron Bay on something, you can immediately jack up the price. Holistic health, Basically on everything. But it is an incredible area. And the area that I live in has a whole range of uh, what these sort of, so as you drive down the road, they'll have these sort of stalls on the roadside where people will sell their various wares. So there's like an avocado place down the organic avocado place, 10 minutes down the road, but people are growing their own lettuce and carrots and, you know, all these things, the big macadamia farm area where I am. So there's a lot of like fresh, you know, basically. Legumes, some quality legumes. We try to eat mostly food that is grown in sort of the local sort of 50 kilometer area. And amazingly there's not much that you can't find that they grow up here it's perfect conditions for all the things that i like to consume and yes as you said 
my career is more advanced than yours. We won't mention all the things that I like to consume. Again, if people want to Google, you'll find some information <laughs> on what those things might be. And maybe even some pictures. The, the LA stuff. The LA stuff. Google the LA yeah. stuff. Exactly. If you, if you Google a show called Getting Dug With High, which is a show that the comedian Doug Benson, who's a famous stoner comedian in the US. Super high does. me. So he, uh, in a place where it is legal to smoke weed, uh, he has this uh, talk show called Getting Dug With High. And basically the conceit is he gets two guests on. And I was on an episode with a brilliant US comedian called Gary Gorman. And people might know Gary because... Last year, he tweeted every day a stand-up tip for 365 days. And if you're interested in stand-up comedy, I highly recommend. I think Vulture or one of those magazines did a bit of a compilation of all the tips and put them together. But if you're interested in stand-up comedy, Gary Gorman is one of the best in the world. And so Gary and I did Doug's show, Getting Doug With High. And the conceit of the show, for people that haven't seen it, is that for the hour you're being interviewed like a traditional talk show. It's like being on a Graham Norton or something, but instead of drinking wine out of your glass, you're sampling all these various types of, you know, uh, cannabis, you know, legal cannabis. How, do, know, how do you get an invite on this show? Well, it turns out you've got to like, firstly, I think smoke some cannabis with Doug Benson out the back of UCB at a gig one night. Certainly that's, I'm not sure how that's how everybody gets invited on the show, okay. but I'm pretty sure that's how I got invited on the show. And so there was images in the Australian press, like it ran on page three of the Murdoch newspapers, like this big thing. And they took, still images from this show and they put them um like up as if they'd like you know taken these images through the window of my house of me smoking weed and they tried to make it this big scandalous story about look at this guy you, know, you were famous he's smoking marijuana <laughs> and it's like i'm like yeah i'm doing something legal in a place where it's legal but my favorite thing about that was i think that their intention was to get people to you know be really mean to me to get angry and Nobody got mean, like just a whole bunch of like pot smokers would contact me and go, hey man, that's cool. And then like a whole bunch of old people, my ABC audience would be like, my hips hurt, I've got arthritis. You know, <laughs> would it be good if I smoked weed? And I'm like, well, I'm not a doctor, but sure, I'll give it a crack. Well, I think I think pot, you know, I don't know a whole lot about the subject, Will, but... No, of um, course not, mate. And, exactly. But, you know, it, it sort of doesn't have political boundaries. I reckon a lot more people... You know, I think people on the left side of politics would be a lot more honest and transparent about their pot smoking, but people on the right are doing it too. They just they just don't say they're doing it. Well, they say about three million Australians. So it's three million out of, you know, our population of what, twenty five million, mm. you know, smoke pot or have smoked pot or, you know, smoke pot, you know, regularly at some stage. So that's like a huge sample size of the Australian population. And I know off the basis of those articles being published everywhere that now everywhere I go, like whether I'm doing a gig and somebody comes up to me after the gig and was like, Hey man, would you like some weed? Or just if I'm at a party or whatever, and somebody's going to smoke some weed, everyone knows now to invite me. So really thank you, Rupert Murdoch. It was the nicest <laughs> thing anybody could have ever done for me. Cause it would have cost me like $50,000 to run a page three ad in the Herald Sun that says, Hey, could you please offer me some weed? But they, did it on, they did it on my behalf. So I appreciate it. Well, free advertising never goes astray. But you, you were talking a little bit there, talking about, uh, was it Doug from, is it, was Doug that his Benson, name? Yeah. Doug Benson. Anyway, we got onto the subject of stand-up comedy. And now stand-up comedy being part of the art sector in Australia is going through a bit of a, um, bit of a tough patch, so to speak, right now. And uh, word on the street is we could have a vaccine by the middle of next year. You know, it won't... 
um, vaccine against coronavirus, not tenure. Um, and so you, hopefully you'll be at, at a point next year where your sort of post-radio plan will come into effect. You'll be able to start doing shows next year. But obviously there'd be a lot of up-and-coming comedians who work really hard. And, you know, it's a, it's a tough, tough sort of gig. Uh, it's a tough industry to be in. I, I'm assuming not a lot of people make it to the top. There's a lot of talented comedians that I know who are sort of working their way up and trying to get in. They were doing shows regularly for a few years and, um, you know, breaking even would probably be about the extent of their work. Um, and we're all sort of beneficiaries of this content and, and, and podcasts and all sort of things now. How can we as a community, you know, we're, mostly coffee people listen to this, but more broadly, how can we support those up-and-coming artists, uh, artists like stand-up comedians and across all the sectors, singers, whatever, how can we support them a bit more? Yeah, well, firstly, I think it's a pretty easy thing to understand because in the same way as we've asked people during this pandemic lockdown, you know, a lot of people have kept their cafes open. They're doing takeaway coffees or whatever. And, you know, you hope that people who live in your local area, when they have their one hour out a day, they pop down and they get a coffee so your business can keep going. It's very similar, particularly with that level of artists who are on that, you know, they, where it is their only income you know for somebody like me like I am genuinely unemployed at the moment but I have other things like my tv show comes back later in the year I have things that I can do during my downtime my podcasts are actually you know reasonably successful and I've had some time to concentrate on those and we get some good support for those and so for me you know it's a temporary issue more than something that will necessarily affect you know the rest of my comedic life and also the truth of it is that I'm 46 years old and I've had a real you know, a great opportunity to, to try most of the things that I, you would want to try as a comedian. I've put on shows at festivals, I've had TV shows and radio shows, and I've tra travelled internationally to do my job. You know, it's I've got to do all those things. So the idea that I suddenly have a pause from it for, you know, a year, a year and a half, because it is going to be, particularly for my industry, we were first out, basically. You know, the Melbourne mm. Comedy Festival was one of the first things that got cancelled. Very sad. And we're going to be last back in because our job is by the very nature of how this virus is transmitted, a really dangerous thing. Because, you know, for me, I'm, you know, I hope to get a thousand people in a room and then for 70 or 80 minutes, get them to expel fluids from their mouth. <laughs> it's really, you know, laughter is not the best medicine. You could spread a fair bit of tinea like that. And so I know I make people no shoes, no service <laughs> at my shows. No, no shoes, no shows. That's my, that's my motto. But I, it is a tough uh, job at the moment, particularly on that level of if clubs and pubs aren't open, that's where comedy happens a lot on that ground level is in clubs and pubs. And it often happens in, you know, the dingiest little room in that club or that pub, you know, this underground basement that has, you know, can fit, you know, 50 or 80 people in, or you can jam 110 people in. We're suddenly in a world where, you know, you can run a show in one of those rooms, but you have to run that show for 15 people instead of 50 people, you know, with social distancing. And then suddenly you have all the concerns of where do the comedians hang out backstage? How are you going to social distance from each other? Like, what do you do with the microphone? I've seen shows where people are bringing their own microphone covers. I've seen shows where people are bringing their own microphones because you think about it for a second you know you've literally got somebody doing 10 minutes you know shouting and spitting into a microphone and then expecting the next act to come out and shout and spit into the exact same microphone so there is 
so many systematic problems with what's going on in comedy at the moment and the, the, the arts are getting no support from the government. So the, even the arts package that the government put together, none of that money's gone out at the moment and probably not much of it will go out before Christmas. And even when it does go out, it's not going to go out to those comedians you're talking about, those ones who are starting out or establishing their careers. And this is where I think the greatest folly of all is because what I would have done if I was in charge is taken a slab of that money, the, the, the amount of the money that you're not going to give to the big producers and the top end of the you know, industry to rebuild, but the amount that you want to give to the people who actually make these jobs out of their own imaginations. And I would have said, okay, we've got like, you know, whatever it is, $5,000 each, you know, and what we're going to do is we're going to give you $5,000 to spend on whatever you can do to make your art. So if you're a painter, we're going to buy you some you know, extra paints and some new canvases. Or if you're a musician, we're going to you know, get you some time in a recording studio or whatever it is. You know, if you're a comedian, we're going to send you a, a decent microphone or we're going to yeah, give you some money to buy a video camera or we're going to you know, uh, put together a website that shows you all the ways that you can transition what you've been doing live to online and I would have injected into the arts community immediately because suddenly you have all these comedians sitting around at home with all this time to be creative but maybe not the resources to be creative and I mean even if that five thousand dollars was literally so that those comedians could pay their bills and eat you know for the period of time we're in lockdown and then have time to go away and be creative with the rest of their time when they're not worrying about you know, will I have a roof over my head or will I be able to, you know, eat a meal next week, then we could actually come immediately out of what we're going through with a major arts boom. The arts boom should be starting right now. We shouldn't be waiting until COVID is over. We should be starting the arts boom right now. Now, you're seeing a lot of performers doing that already, which, sorry, this has been a very long-winded way to answer your question, but they do have ways you can support them. So if you like somebody's podcast, join their Patreon. If you enjoy somebody's YouTube videos, sometimes they might not necessarily have a way that you can contribute to them. But YouTube works on a model that the more views something gets, the more chances going to be advertising and people will make some money. So if you watch something really funny online by some comedian who has 500 followers, but you like it, the best thing you could possibly do, rate it, review it, share it, watch it again. You know, like YouTube doesn't care that you're watching the video two or three times. Sometimes if you like somebody, you don't even have to watch it again yourself. Just put it on while you're doing something else because well, that think, still counts to their views. I think you I think you hit the nail on the head there and uh, we're possibly, you know, say for example, there is a vaccine next year and it sort of frees up movement of people around the country sort of thing. I don't know if that would necessarily translate to someone going overseas because, you know, there's a lot of... there depending on what country you want to go to and the, the state of sort of air travel at the moment, it could be sort of difficult and I think that'll, that might take some time to sort of restart again. I think there could be a lot more people with um, their disposable income and they'll be able to spend it in Australia and, or within whatever country you're in. People listen to this podcast come from all over the, all over the planet, it's, um, which is fascinating, but they can spend it on their local talent. It could be going and having expensive as fuck frozen coffee it could be going and, and and watching will anderson's shows it could be going and watching a guy i know matt young who i've told you about before is a really funny guy um and it's uh yeah I, I think a lot of people will we've been starved of these you know opportunities to go out and connect with people once we have that back i think a lot of people will have coronavirus in their mind for the rest of their life um i'm not i'm not i don't think i'm going to take 
going to a comedy show for granted for quite some time or even going and eating ramen and then going and doing something in Melbourne. I mean, there's so much that we can do and enjoy in Australia and supporting local talent. Um, and, and you're right, I think, I think the arts boom will start and there's a lot of people sort of creating content in different ways right now and we'll get to enjoy it so much more when this is over. Yeah, and this, look, there's different... I think we're going to run out of stuff. Like, you know, everybody's at home watching Netflix and, you know, Amazon Prime and Stan and, you know, 15 fucking services now so that you can binge watch things because you're just uh, chewing through entertainment. So I feel like we might also get to the end of this. And because a lot of productions and whatever have been shut down, that there's going to be a real thirst for entertainment and we're going to have a real hole where there isn't going to be a lot. And that idea of supporting local, I mean, to use the coffee analogy again, I don't really need to go to Moonshine Coffee in the morning, you know, to go and get myself, I can make myself a nice cup of coffee at home. But part of the reason I go down there is I like that place. I'm glad that it's open and I want to support it. And so once a day, you know, I'll have my little excursion and I'll pop down and I'll get my coffee there. And that helps them, you know, still be around and still be a business when we come out of this at the end of it. And it's very much the same with the arts. Like often you can't save everything. You know, you can't save all of the arts and it's no one's responsibility who is listening to this to do that. But you can support an artist that you like, whether it be a, you know, a painter or a writer or a comedian. You know, comedy is obviously the thing I'm most interested in. So if there's a comedian that you like, if you like their Twitter feed, you know, retweet their Twitter feed. Like there are ways that you can support things. Like, I mean, financial is always great, of course, but we also understand that we're living in times where not everybody has the capacity to support something financially. But the idea of supporting local so that it continues to grow, I think is an idea that we're reconnecting to on so many levels during this time. Well, you know, th- this idea of supporting local. Well, I think arts and coffee really have a symbiotic relationship because if you go to a comedy show, there's, you know, if, particularly if it's a nighttime show, people might want to go have some dinner before it, go have a beer afterwards. Um, they might even want to have a beer at the show. And so there's there's a lot of hospitality and, and, and arts. They're, they, they're not so different. You know, they, they operate at around the same time and sort of a lot of comedians in their downtime might work in the hospitality industry. I don't know, but there's... Lots of hospital people. In, in Obviously, it's a good job for people who work in in comedy because it's the sort of job that you know you can get a night off to go and you know do that open mic stand-up night it's also can be similar hours or it can be you know you can have a daytime hospital job and combine it with nighttime work but i agree with you i mean when you talk about the melbourne comedy festival part of the economic impact that that has because it it's a huge festival the melbourne comedy festival it makes so much money for you know the victorian economy but the people kind of think of it as like ticket sales, like, oh, that's where the money comes from, venue hire and ticket sales. But that's not the, the whole truth of it. We're talking about a festival where there's 600 shows bringing, what, 800,000 people to the city of Melbourne. And most of those people have to park their car or, you know, get a cab or whatever in, and then they'll go to dinner, you know, they'll go out for drinks afterwards, they might stay in a hotel. The connection with the hospitality industry in particular, the comedy festival itself is a hospitality event. You know, it's it partly meant to drive people into the city to, you know, go and get that ramen before the show. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And they, they really do feed off each other and both arts and, um, you know, I don't know what more culture Melbourne has and, you know, than arts and hospitality. I mean, they they, it's, it's, or comedy and hospitality, like they, we provide the goods in both departments, you know, at the highest esteem in the world, really. So, 
Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that being back. But well, one thing I wanted to sort of um, invite my listeners to do is to listen to your podcast because the, there's one in particular, the episode with Wayne Schwoss. So, you know, people, people going through a um, bit of a tough time mentally at the moment would be um, looking for things to to sort of listen to or, um, you know, looking for ways to sort of motivate them. I sort of said to you before we started recording this that, you know, everyone's like their own mini Tony Robbins at the moment. There's so many uh, life gurus out there in the world right now. But I, t- I, w- I would invite people to go listen to the Wayne Schwoss edition of the Willosophy podcast. Very, very, uh, very in touch with himself, that guy. Yeah, incredible. It's an incredible episode. I, I didn't know Schwatter very well, you know, before we had that conversation and, it gets as deep as any episode of philosophy has ever got. It's one of my favorite episodes that we've ever done, to be honest. And there's quite a lot of personal revelation from me because Schwatter is just one of those guys that you immediately feel comfortable and safe with to be able to explore ideas that you wouldn't necessarily explore with other people. And it's quite amazing when somebody is like that, you know, really on first meeting, you know, you immediately feel so supported by and held up by somebody that you can genuinely have a honest and deep and revealing and fragile conversation with them. So no, I, I recommend that one too. So I'm glad you like that. Yeah. Well, I was, uh, I, I had it referred to me by a friend and I don't think they knew that I know you, but they, uh, a friend technically said, Hey mate, you really need to listen to this pod- podcast by Will. And I did later that down. I think I messaged you at the time I was in, I was in Korea at the time and, you know, listen to it on the, uh, looking over this this nice beautiful ocean down on Jeju Island but that was that was a good little time I had there but um well we, we're almost at the end of our time here I thought we'd keep it short and concise today usually this podcast goes for a bit longer but I thought you know we'll keep it short keep it sweet keep it condensed keep it funny and we've, we've, we've you've provided a few laughs here have you got any closing remarks for for all the lovely listeners of the Sub-Zero Coffee podcast well, okay. Firstly, here's what I will say is I'm looking for, I think that audiences are important. So if I'm going to say to them, firstly, congratulations for listening to this. Thanks for supporting Kirk's thing. Like, I hope that people are supporting your things, but I think never more have we understood the idea that there is such a symbiosis between performer and audience, right? Mm. So like your podcast would exist without the people who listen to it, but it is better because of the people who listen to it. We watch sports on tv and you know we like watching yeah the fact that the afl is back or whatever but it is not the same without big crowds of people there ooing and ahhing and reacting to what is going on as a stand-up comedian that idea of performing without an audience i was talking to a friend of mine the other day about the idea that as a comedian if you think of comedy the analogy is baking a cake you know the, the ingredients are your ideas and thoughts and then the preparation method is really you know you writing your routines and trying things out and yeah getting them together and then people would think that when you go on stage and you do the show that's baking the cake right the the show is the cake but the show isn't really the cake I could do my show out here you know in a minute I could just walk out here the show's written I can go out onto my balcony and perform it to nobody and I'll tell you a little story about that in a second but I I've come to the realization that the cake isn't the show. The show is kind of what helps you bake the cake and the cake is the audience. So every night I'm going out with this show and then I try to create a unique experience with the audience. You know, 
like doing stand-up comedy without an audience is like surfing without an ocean. You're just a dickhead on the beach chucking ollies, you know, <laughs> like it, it's not, it's not the same thing. And it's the same with, you know, what I do, this incredible extra appreciation of that, what I do means half as much without being able to do it in front of people, without having that audience there. So I, I did this show for Stan and it was the Australian Lockdown Comedy uh, Special and Stan were amazing. So when the comedy festival got cancelled, they basically came and said, hey, we want to do something for Australian comedians. You know, we'll give you some money. We'll send cameras out to your own house. You know, you can film it all yourself and you can do a bit of your comedy festival show and we'll put together these specials. And so they asked me to do it and I, I agreed to do it mostly because it was going to help out other comedians, you know, like, um, the idea of doing comedy without an audience to me is, is, is not particularly exciting. And, and particularly because I realized once I had to record my piece. So I had to set up the cameras myself and I'm downstairs in this pretend comedy, like under the house. Um, Amy had uh, got some, you know, paper bricks to put on the back wall. And I set it up like a little comedy club and I was meant to do my bit. And you meant to like, you know, obviously record it all in one shot. And I realize I normally take the time when people are laughing to think about what I'm going to say next. So I had to rehearse this thing. I had to make sure that I could do it all at once. I've come down, I've nailed it first go, all dressed up in my show clothes, 11 o'clock in the morning. I've nailed it first go, realized I've set up the cameras wrong. So I've just been filming my ear for the entire time that I've done my first set. So then I try to do it again. Now I can't get it. Like I keep fucking up about three or four minutes in every time. And I'm like, okay, I normally have a beer when I perform. So I go upstairs, I grab a beer. Now it's 11 o'clock in the morning and I'm there drinking a beer, you know, doing stand up to nobody. And I realized I've become one of those guys who gets fired from his job and won't tell his family. You know, I get up in the morning, I put on my suit, I pack my briefcase and then I go down to the park and I just eat a sandwich out of my briefcase. So the idea of how important audiences are, that things don't exist without support, that your cafe doesn't work without people coming and buying stuff from it, that stand-up comedy doesn't work unless people come out and support it, uh, that the football isn't quite the same when people are just playing the game. The audience is a, an amazing part of what we like about it. I, I think that if we could take one thing out of, you know, this time that we're going through, this idea of understanding the connection between the person who makes something and the person who consumes something and how those things are both super important is something that I love that we took out of it. Well, well, I couldn't, I, I, I knew it would be such a good idea to have you on the podcast because you know, you'd, you'd have some absolute pearls of wisdom to chuck out. And I think, yeah, very much with, with what I do it, you know, you could say it's, it, Right now, what I'm doing is I'm sending bags of roasted coffee to people, and you know it's going it's going well. I mean, you you cop some as well. Um, I know. But it's, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. No worries. But it's kind of like you know, I wish, I, for me personally, I'd much rather have people in store, engage with them, blow their head off with some with some tasty coffee, as I've done with you in the past, and 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 then the guys at Triple M, and yeah, I'm just really looking forward to inviting people back, and um, until then, staying very positive. Yes, why not? I mean, we have a choice, right? And I can understand how we would be overwhelmed by the circumstances we are currently going through. And I won't lie to people who are listening. I've had plenty of times during this where, you know, I found the current world circumstances genuinely overwhelming and you're reassessing your entire existence and what it means. But I think that 
there's going to be when we come out of this there's going to be a lot of demand from society to for things to get back to normal and i think that that's the worst thing that could possibly happen because things were not normal before this happened people talk about that it's been hard times during covid it was hard times for a lot of people pre-covid and i don't want us to forget that i hope this extra level of compassion that we have is something that we can take back into the new world but it's not going to be an easy thing to take back into the new world mm. if we want to think oh i have more sympathy for those who suddenly lose their job because now i've been in a circumstance where you know i've suddenly lost my job beyond my control we will have to fight to take that empathy and compassion back into society so for those of us who believe that that you've got to be positive for those of us who believe that the world is a better place when we think about other people we're going to have to fight pretty hard to to yell those themes from the rooftops so that when we go back into this new world, it doesn't suddenly become one where we go, no, those things aren't important. Well, I think this is a momentous enough of a uh, time in life to sort of reassess everything. It's kind of taken the norms of a lot of things and sort of smashed them on the floor and we, we, we're sort of rebuilding from the ground up. But, well, I won't keep you for too much longer. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It, We'll have to catch up for a, for a coffee or something at Moonshine Coffee or maybe go to the Nimbin Bakery or something one day. You know, we'll, 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 hopefully I'll see you again. Mate, that sounds like an absolute uh, pleasure. Uh, you will have to wear shoes. That's all I ask. Yeah, or maybe I'll, um, I'll, I'll sort of mask up and shoe up at the Melbourne International Coffee, Fe- uh, Coffee Festival, <laughs> Melbourne International Comedy Festival next year, which I, which I hope goes ahead. Or the Melbourne International Coffetti Festival, which is the one that's endorsed by Donald Trump, I think. The Coffefe one? The Coffefe Festival. Ah, the yes, Mel- yes, I forgot. The Melbourne I forgot. International Coffefe Festival. I forgot about that one. But anyway, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll figure out something. But thank you, everyone who's tuned in. And as always, stay cool. Stay cool.